it is funny, but it, at that time, and even right now, in, in a couple of years, we will think, oh, how crazy is this that are now that they are scanning my face and they know what I bought and things like that. Welcome to a new episode of the Human Era Podcast. My name is Ferry and today I am joined by Miriam Frosi. Miriam, welcome to the show. Thank you. It's a Thank pleasure. you for inviting me. My pleasure. Good to have you. And could you do yeah. us a favor and introduce yourself briefly? Uh, briefly. Okay. I will try to. <laughs> My name is Miriam Frosi. I've been living in the Netherlands uh, for 22 years almost. So... Uh, I'm not blonde yet, but uh, I really feel like uh, I'm I'm Dutch and Italian. I was born and raised in uh, in the neighborhood of Milano. I study economics and uh, politics, and uh, now I'm innovation manager at uh, uh, Rijkswaterstaat, which is a part of the Ministry of Infrastructure, and I'm also a councillor in the city of Eindhoven. That's so yeah, I. I both love my jobs. I I enjoy it. And then I'm a mom of three three children, three boys that are growing up fast, and I'm proud of them. Yeah, that sounds good. That's that's quite a resume as well, and and a nice yeah. family life. Um, you said you've been living here for for over two decades. What brought you to the Netherlands? Of course, uh, amore, love. <laughs> <laughs> my husband. I I studied in Denmark close to Copenhagen in Roskilde. Maybe you know it from the festival. Mm-hmm. And it was really a great experience. I I also say to my to my children, but to everybody, uh, make an experience abroad because you become uh, richer, your cultural background. And um, I was uh, lucky because I, I was in an international group and there were also some Dutch guys but one was really special. And he still is <laughs> <he's> my husband. <laughs> a long time ago. <laughs> How did you experience moving to a different country? Was it like a culture shock? Um, I've always been really, really curious, really, to other cultures. So I, I was actually uh, was searching for new experience and new cultures. I'm still like that because uh, it started from uh, learning English. As, uh, as you know, not the, not all the Italian of my generation I speaks. Uh, yeah, not everybody speaks a good English. And I was thinking, how I I want to understand what in these nice songs uh, people are saying, and I want to to discover the world. Uh, I love to to travel. And uh, for me, it's um, every every um, travel I do. Uh, it's it's an it's an experience. I love it. And it starts from food and different recipes and and then uh, meet people and talk to them and, and connect to the rest of the world. It makes you um, richer. I really believe in that. Yeah. It does. Yeah. What, what is your favorite destination so far? I I love the Israel. Hmm. Yeah. So, so so even if you do not believe in uh, whatever in god or whatever uh, there is a such a such a nice it's nice to go there and uh, and to walk with different cultures there are muslim christian uh, uh, all the religion are there together and yeah, when i was there in peace and i hope that it, it will remain like that but uh, 
it is um, it is great to to work there. It's like uh, you jump back in, in in the history and and you leave the experience of uh, yeah of, of what in the in for instance in the Bible. I'm not really Catholic, but uh, it's uh, it's a really a wonderful place, wonderful experience. I kind of can relate. I'm I'm not religious uh, either. Uh, mm -hmm. I, I was kind of brought up religious, um, but. Um, I went to Rome uh, a couple of years ago, um, and I, I think I understand what you mean. It's it's you are being immersed into um, the history of the country of the the city where you're at. Um, especially, I, I'm I'm not sure about Israel, but I do know for for Rome, everything is preserved so well that uh, you can walk from from one place to another and kind of feel like you were walking in like the 1700s, or it just feels so so immersive. Is that the same for where you've been? Yes, and I think about Rome. It's my favorite city. I love it, and it's like an open museum. Mm. You you got back back. You go back in the in the time and uh, with the Romans, and so so great. I suggest everybody go to Rome before you die. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that, that's good advice because I'm when when I went there, um, I'm I'm a personal fan of the Italian cuisine, um, mm -hmm. so that was what I was looking forward the most when I heard that we were going to Italy. Um, yeah, yeah. But once we were there, I was so um, uh, I was I was shocked by how impressive everything is because you see it on TV and you read about it and it, that doesn't really strike you, right? You you see it but you don't really live it. Um, but when you are there. Um, and you see all the cathedrals and you see everything that's left from from those eras. It's it's incredible. Yeah. It's it's really um, overpowering in, in some ways because yeah. you, you cannot. We didn't even see everything because we were there for like four days. That's not enough to see everything. But the things that we saw were so impressive. Um, yeah, yeah, I also is. recommend go, go there if you can. Yeah, I loved uh, also Istanbul. It's an amazing city. And yeah. Everywhere, I, I I'm so happy we can travel now that uh, the Corona um, we fought the Corona maybe I really hope that and so I the first thing I can I, I do when I get uh, uh, my salary is uh, think about the next uh, trip with my with my family and my of my friends yeah, that's, yeah. That's last exactly week I've been in uh, Athen wonderful the same the same as uh, experience as you go to to uh, to Rome, but it's much smaller. But if you go walk up in the Acropolis, and then uh, you have so many times the you know the wow effect. Wow, wow, wonderful. Yeah, yeah you nice. cannot imagine that if you're not there. But if you're there, you're, it's overpowering. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna make a, a quick bridge from going from ancient history um, to to the now because you work as an innovation manager. Um, what does that mean to you to be an innovation manager? Because that's completely different from the old buildings that we saw in Rome and in Greece. And still, you can learn a lot from uh, from uh, from the old history because at the end, they if you go to Egypt, for instance, and you see the pyramids and yeah, unbelievable eh, what they what they did. Um, we can learn a lot from uh, the history. We need to know the history to go further, of course. Uh, innovation manager, what does it mean to me? I'm so proud of my, of my job because uh, I'm um, I'm trying to um, uh, to work uh, to complete uh, the the remote do standing the the purposes that we. Uh, we, we wrote in the Paris uh, Agreement. Ah, for the SDGs, the climate goals. 
Absolutely. Yeah, we have uh, some sustainable goals. Right? We have 17 of them, the global goals, and uh, we are working hard. And the fact that I can uh, contribute uh, make me really proud. And of course, uh, alone and even with my team or with my organization, I cannot change the world. But everybody is working hard to reduce the emission of CO2 of to uh, to make sure that uh, all the material is uh, reused or things like that. So it's, uh, yeah, I'm a little bit proud. Yeah. Yeah, you should be. Of being an innovation man manager. Yeah. So you, you actively contribute to a, a better world, basically. Yes. I think that everybody has to do it. And uh, you don't have, uh, you don't need uh, to be an innovation manager because Actually, I told you once, I think it's really a crazy name. You don't manage innovation. Innovation doesn't need any constraints or so, but you have to let your brains go. And uh, But um, you help innovation. You you search for innovation possibility. And uh, for me, it's nice to, um, to make sure that uh, what is written, what is uh, thought by clever colleagues uh, in the end is implemented uh, on the street because we work, I work as a, innovation manager and we do uh, man maintenance on the highways mm -hmm. and how does technology help you with that because it's if, if you maintain the highways that's an immense job it's it's huge how do you manage yeah. something that size i will talk about one um, example that which is the data-driven information that we get from uh, the abs system that all the cars have eh? so they they um, collect all the data and for instance, they say, okay, at that certain point, the left uh, wheel, it's slipping. And, and you see that all the cars are having this problem. Then is there something like, uh, you can go there and uh, uh, solve the problem. Is there oily, oil, for instance, or is there um, something else that is, uh, uh, that, is, that is not going good like, uh, maybe a hole in the street. And uh, when you when you receive this information thousands and thousands of times, then you um, then you yeah, you don't use all the people that you have or you know all 786 kilometers of highway that we have to maintain, but you just go and you focus on that uh, yeah, the point on the on the highway. And this is um, something that we we made with uh, yeah, data-driven information. We can also do it with drones. We can also do it with uh, um, uh, drones and visual information. You put uh, cams on on the on your car, so you don't have to go there and have a look. But uh, uh, the uh, the cams, the the videos are saying to you what is happening there. Um, yeah, there are wonderful things that uh, that we can do, and our people that are working on the street uh, can uh, focus their energy and uh, their time on that uh, specific point uh, on, the, on our highways. Yeah. How do our cars talk to your your systems? Because you said they use the ABS. Um, so suppose I drive the highway over here. Does my car actually send data towards some, some systems? Now we, um, we selected uh, uh, a group of people that are always, uh, yeah, that are driving on our because I'm uh, I'm responsible for the south of uh, the Netherlands, mm -hmm. and they the ABS system, the sensor sent uh, 
uh, to a specific platform all the data. And then uh, uh, all the data are put together and there is an analysis of this data. And then we got uh, the information at the end. We are, we are at the end of the process. So uh, Miriam sent some people there and uh, of Miriam of other colleagues of, my, of mine, of course. Um, and it, it, it works, it is great. So we have really, yeah, unbelievable amount of data. Uh, we also notice I'm I'm working and I'm living in the Brainport age, uh, radio. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, brain. It says a lot that uh, we have all the intelligent brains from all over the world in uh, in our radio. We have really an increase of a uh, patent, uh, which is amazing. And for instance, in in the last uh, six years, like seven hundred and eighty percent increase for artificial intelligence. And nearly 700 for uh, big data. Uh, that, uh, that's uh, that's amazing. And uh, we are one of uh, in the big five uh, uh, area that are uh, there. have so many patent uh, growth. And it's uh, I'm proud to be uh, a part of this. And uh, I'm experimenting what uh, a lot of startups are are thinking uh, are are creating. And I also love it. Love my job because. Uh, it is not. It's not just Reichswaterstadt. <clears throat> Excuse. I'm not just working with my colleagues, but I'm um, searching for um, for a bigger network. Uh, for instance, through university, TU of uh, Eindhoven, of Delft, mm -hmm. startups, and together we make really, yeah, we can really make the difference and. You have, you have the, the different uh, TLR technology uh, levels, and we want to bring the technology level a little bit uh, readiness, T TLR, a little bit further. So I'm, I'm happy to contribute. And do you think that's gonna gonna work? Because there's so much happening right now, and also you said artificial intelligence is, is moving more and more. Um, do you think um, that has an impact? Well, we do know it has an impact on startups because you know most of them focus on uh, creating technology that helps us today. Um, but how do you see that for bigger organizations that are usually slower to adapt? Because um, I, I feel like you're right in the middle between startups, innovations, big corporates. Um, you know, you're also working with the uh, the government. Um, how do you see that moving for bigger organizations? Are they adapting to the new innovations? If you do not adapt, then uh, you will uh, you will have to stop to work, and you will have no future. I'm sorry to be really black, white, really <laughs> straight. <laughs> I said I become I became a little bit Dutch and direct, <laughs> but I mean, if you don't, if you just look uh, behind you and you don't look forward, you won't have a future. And, and I really believe in uh, um, in in what I'm saying because uh, uh, this is the future. You cannot uh, go on sending all your people out on the street and uh, uh, have a look on the street and searching for the hole that has to be repaired, for instance. You know, you just, uh, your, your, um, your people are, you don't have a lot of people. You want to reduce the emission of CO2. Uh, of course, then, then you, you have to be clever because this will help you in uh, saving money, of course, but also to help the, this world to be a better place 
cleaner, healthier for for you, for your for the next generation, of course. So they will have to adapt. And adaptation, the change management, it's not an easy thing, of course, I know, but uh, um, you need flexibility in your organization. And it starts from, uh, from management and uh, just talk to the people. We have to go and look forward because otherwise we, we won't have a future. But do you see the, the fears as well? Because um, what you yeah. explained right now is that, um, especially in, in your job and the projects you're working on, is that you use technology um, to support people, to make it easier, more efficient. Um, sure. Obviously, like you said, if you want to check every highway that we have, you're going to need a huge workforce. Uh, but if you can use technology, it's easy to, to leverage and scale. Um, but that's on the on the the good side of technology. Do you also see a, a fear or some danger when we use technology? Now, I think that the human uh, kind remains a little bit the same, uh, like in the industrial revolution. Uh, they were absolutely against it because uh, after uh, the, if we we have machine that makes uh, our job, we have to destroy them because otherwise we won't have a job and things like that. Yeah, um, it is always like that. People as um, like, um, yeah, adversion is maybe not what the right word, but uh, they are a little bit against uh, the change because uh, uh, even uh, everybody says, oh, 10 years ago, it was better. Uh, and it used to be better and easier and uh, smoother and things like that. Um, change, it's not easy. And people are, by nature, against change. If you are, if you have a, a good, uh, a good life uh, for all the things, not just for um, artificial intelligence or innovation, uh, we are a little bit lazy, and we have a lazy mind to adapt to the new things. But uh, when you do that, when you realize uh, that uh, change is there and now is the time, uh, then you just will have profit provide and not just one one yeah organization but the whole humankind um they will absolutely have a, a little bit of uh, of uh, of problem if i watch at my in my job uh, then uh, yeah there are many people there are there have a lot of uh, dubious and doubts about uh, innovation um but uh, when we do that and they realize that it's uh, really in the end, uh, cleaner, cheaper, uh, and better, then they go for it. I think in this in, in this situation, when you want to change, when to, you want to innovate, then you need to have on the top people that prepare slowly people to, to the change. Yeah, slowly, what is slowly? Not really slowly, but <laughs> they, they, and they have to select people that are uh, flexible, they can uh, um, quickly uh, adapt to new situation. Everywhere, like in a HRM, everywhere you you need uh, innovation. You need uh, uh, to be prepared to select your 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 persons, or uh, in in every organization, even in in the, in the government. And the government is doing a lot. Uh, the government is. Uh, uh, making big investments. If you have uh, read some book from uh, 
Mariana Mazzucato, she says, without government, no research and development. We, government are, yeah, it is really, really funny because everybody thinks our government, they're just uh, gray mice <laughs> and are doing uh, not a lot, but uh, thanks to the government, we, we have the touch screen, for instance, huh? and things like that. True. Yeah. Yeah, I, I cannot speak for, for other countries, but I do know in the Netherlands where, where we are, um, the government is heavily investing in, in yeah. technology and in innovations. Um, and the way I see that happening is because you probably know it, the Dutch AI coalition. Um, I'm also personally a part of that, which I'm very proud of. Um, and what I see there is that they try and combine um, the commercial side of, of the Netherlands, basically, uh, the government side and the consumer side. Um, so the society, they have this like triangle where they try and create technology or find innovation projects that um, that we can collaborate with the three of us. So um, personally, yeah. I'm in a, a commercial side of it, um, working with government side of it. And we uh, we look at um, uh, people that live in a certain city or we look at consumers or we work with uh, universities, with students to see how they feel about new innovations. Um, and then they have big budgets to make sure that we actually can produce a product or that we can have, um, I think they're now setting up this kind of like internal university where people can learn about artificial intelligence, about societal impact, um, how HR should work with technology. Um, so we don't really see it. Uh, yet, but there's so much going on on the back end of things where the, the Dutch government is investing heavily, um, both in knowledge as well as in, in innovations themselves. Um, but I heard you say something interesting um, about, you know, management being, being responsible for uh, guiding those innovations. Do you think innovation works top down or bottom up? Now, that, this is really nice questions because uh, you were talking about what we call a triple helix mm -hmm. that is government uh, and we now we 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 don't talk about triple helix we we talk about multiple helix because mm -hmm. there are also uh, people uh, like uh, your neighbor can come up and really my neighbor came up with a not really neighbor a bar, uh, a couple of streets uh, from my, my house came up with um, a really a long time ago uh, with a car which is uh, uh, which goes with uh, with light and uh, and he's, he's making a, his prototype and uh, so I think it's both it can be uh, from uh, your neighbor that comes up with uh, nice things and innovation now we are thinking about these crazy incredible clever things but it can be also like uh, adopt your street and make sure that you make bio biodiversity uh, because uh, no bee, no life. Uh, the bees are so important in our system, eco uh, ecosystem. They, they, um, if we don't care about uh, our flora and fauna, our bees and uh, insects and animals and, and the greenery, then, um, then, then we stop uh, to live. So simple is it. So uh, innovation can be also like, like we do here, we, we are going around and we, we gave seeds to everybody to make sure that uh, they remove uh, some uh, some of the files and they put some some green, things like that. It's also innovating. So it can be both. I really believe it can start from, uh, from, from the people, from the street, 
from a clever student that has a great idea and but of course on the and it can be also top down but on the top uh, the top has to be um, uh, willing for a change or a betterment of this of this society of course yeah right because if the top isn't open to change then the people for example in an organization can have good ideas but the top also needs to be open right for for having that change um, yeah, and I think absolutely. One of the most interesting things is that people often forget that innovation doesn't have to be on a computer. Um, you can innovate yeah. your street. Like you said, if you remove a towel and then create something for biodiversity, it's also innovating because you're just changing your environment. Um, but it's funny that if, if we mention, and especially with organizations, if we mention the word innovation, they often think about artificial intelligence, machine learning, cryptocurrency, but, it, but it's way more than that. Um, but do you think that at some point we should put a stop on technological innovations? Are we are we gonna bypass ourselves at some point? Um, I don't think. Uh, you know, when I heard the the word constraints or stop or boundaries, then uh, I I don't become happy. Mm -hmm. So no stop, no no way, no. The sky is the limit. Uh, but at the same time we have to think also about the um, um, the effect on human on the humankind so um, sometimes we have some uh, in our society some problems and we want to to solve these problems and we create a machine without thinking further or um, we create robot robot that uh, talk to people which is great but there are some things that I still, in my, in my opinion, to, to be uh, left to the human persons. Because uh, um, I will be happy if, uh, if a robot uh, can, uh, can be able to talk uh, as much as I can. <laughs> but, uh, uh, you know, talk uh, uh, and uh, um, knowing that your name is uh, Ferrius, uh, knowing that... Um, uh, your hobbies are like uh, I don't know skiing or whatever it might be. It's nice, but the empathy and some human uh, specific uh, emotion, I don't think that uh, they can be recreate. Uh, you can a robot can learn. Oh, I'm sorry about that to say that, but uh, there there is much more. Um, but in the end, I, I really believe that everybody thinks to make an innovation to improve or, or to make a betterment of a situation. And sometimes it turns to be uh, a, a bad thing. Like uh, I believe a, a priester uh, discovered, uh, make a, had an explosion and he created in the end uh, a gum. But it was uh, to defend himself from, uh, from animals and things like that. And... We know how sad it is right now in uh, Ukraine is a, a war going on. And so it, it, uh, it is used to, to kill uh, your brother, your neighbor. And uh, yeah, it is too sad. But uh, yeah, still as human, we have to, 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 to keep in mind uh, that the effects of an innovation can be also bad. And before we start, we should uh, have all the scenarios in uh, in mind. This can happen to, to our people and you have to be prepared. 
not not to re be react uh, later react reactive but proactive mm -hmm. yeah because just because we can do something doesn't mean we should um, but I think it's it's also up to us humans to um, determine how we are going to use something because you, you can use a gun um, for hunting, uh, which especially uh, years ago would be easier than using a bow and arrow. Uh, but you can also kill a human being. But that decision is up to us. Because um, if we actually wanted to, we could stop using guns altogether. Uh, but we don't want to because there's financial gains there, you know. Um, and I think one of the, the, the best examples, especially because there's a gray area. Um, with guns, it's obvious. You can either kill or not kill a human sure. being. Uh, but with technology, you can sometimes create something, I think, um, with a good purpose, but with um, a bad outcome. Um, and I think I gave you this example when we had a, a meeting a couple of weeks ago um, about this elderly home that had a robot which was able to communicate to older people. Exactly. Yeah, yeah I, I, I actually love the idea because it came from taking care of the elderly, um, which, which is a good goal. It's a good cause. Um, but what they created was something that could mimic empathy because it's not actual empathy, I think. It mimics it. Um, and it was able to match a face with a memory. So if someone were to tell the robot a story, it was able to come back the next day and remember that you specifically told that story, um, which is good because... Um, it, it took away a little bit of the loneliness that the people were experiencing. But on the other hand, the people that actually studied and signed up to be a carer um, were doing the dishes, were doing the grocery shopping, um, but weren't talking to the elderly to keep them company and to make sure that yeah. they were not lonely. Um, so it felt like the robot was actually doing the human work and the humans were doing work that I think could have been at least partially automated, yes. um, especially the part of, say, the dishes or the cleaning. Um, even if it could save someone half an hour, that half an hour could be spent with someone who felt lonely, one of the elderly that they were taking care of. So I think, think there's this, this gray area where you kind of can create something for good, but then it ultimately could create something um, uh, that we don't want in, in that specific way. Because um, like I said, if, if they look at um, creating that robot to support the elderly, that's good. But maybe if they thought one or two steps further, they could have created technology to support the caretakers because they were doing the human work. I think that gray exactly. area is super important. Exactly, exactly. And I think all the things that you will do and innovate will always have the you, the other side of, uh, of the coin, let's say. Yeah? That, because, uh, for instance, as I told you, in uh, one month, uh, there will be a machinery uh, which is called ART, Asphalt Recycling Train. And uh, this machine will come to the Netherlands and we will make a little pilot and we will uh, um, remove the old asphalt. We, we will make it warm, but not really a high temperature. We will put some, uh, uh, let's say, glue and in situ, that means uh, this is Latin from uh, the Romans period, <laughs> and the same um, without moving the the last wagon of the train will put the asphalt back on uh, on the street, and uh, uh, the quality will be the same. From uh, we called Zoab mm -hmm. will remain Zoab, and that means that we don't have to transport sand uh, and all the raw materials from. Uh, and we can reuse the asphalt for many, many years. 
what is the other the other side of the coin is that the asphalt uh, centrale central places the places where the asphalt is uh, produced won't be in the future if this is going on it will be a, a great uh, innovation this will be a game changer so in this in the future these asphalt uh, places won't be uh, needed anymore so you have to think further how can we help the asphalt uh, um, organizations to make a transformation to use other forms of uh, um, yeah energy less sustainable and things like that. So th there is always, even if you make a great thing, there was always, um, yeah, uh, less um, um, nice uh, effect on the world. But uh, in the end, you have to put on a on a weight the good things and the bad things. And uh, when the good things are really, really strong, like no CO two emission, uh, zero use of raw materials and things like that, then go for it and be um yeah try do it yeah be courage 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 have, show your courage yeah because it it's ultimately <laughs> it's it's part of the whole transition right because yeah. um sure there's there's a huge upside and and like you said i agree if the upside is is big enough um then certainly we should go for it um, and I think the upside or the, the downside is always part of the equation, um, because just to, to give a simple example, um, we're, we're going very strong on uh, the self scanners at uh, especially the supermarkets where we are now basically taking over the job of the cashiers. Uh, we are scanning the products, we are using our, you know, we're debit card and then we, we go out the store. Um, and I think it's even Amazon that is creating supermarkets where they hardly have any staffing just people that are stockpiling, but uh, no cashiers, no one cleaning, everything is done automatically. Um, if you if you lift the product off the shelf, it's gonna weigh the shelf to know how many quantities you took. And then the camera scans your face and know that you took that, et cetera. So it's, it's gonna um, automatically deduct the money from your, your bank account as soon as you leave the store, um, which is impressive. But the downside yeah. is that if you're young and you're in school and you're looking for you know an easy job to make a little bit of money on the side, um, you can no longer be a cashier. Um, working in a clothing store, um, they are also implementing the self-checkouts. Um, so these type of easy, uh, low-threshold jobs are going to disappear. Um, if you're working that specific job right now, that could be seen as harmful because you're taking away a lot of jobs that people are doing. Um, but if you look 10, 20 years down the line and we got used to this whole new system, um, no one's going to grow up thinking I'm going to be a cashier when I, I'm uh, in school because that job no longer mm -hmm. exists. Um, and often I'm, I'm met with some skepticism on this, but um, did you know that uh, a couple of decades ago, we used to light the streetlights with a candle on a stick, which was something that we did before electricity. It's called a, a lamp lighter. There was someone yeah. walking um, the streets at night with a stick with a candle on it. The streetlights were also candles and he used to like light them with that stick um, until that person was replaced by electricity. Um, so that's a normal transition. And sure, if, if your career was to be a, a streetlighter or a lamplighter, you were out of a job, which is painful for the next 10 years because, you know, the, they have to find a new job. Um, mm -hmm. Companies that were um, either educating them or hiring them, they 
also went bankrupt because no one was becoming yeah. a streetlighter anymore. But 10, 20 years down the line, uh, we're happy that every streetlight is now powered by electricity. It's automatic. It's daylight saving. It's cheaper. It's better for the environment. So that transition also have always has a couple of victims. Um, but that's just a short period. Uh, and I think also now, if, if you find a way to um, sustainably recycle the asphalt that we use, um, it's going to cost a couple of jobs and it's going to cost some companies, maybe their livelihood. They need to transition into something else. But down the line, we're going to be so much better for the environment if we take this step right now, right? I, I have to think about um, some jobs that uh, used to... Uh, Rijkswaterstad, where I'm working uh, now, uh, used to have like uh, people that are that were all day long in a uh, little cab, and they uh, they were there to move uh, to open the bridge. Hmm. So we had movable bridges, so uh, they were looking. Okay, look at there. There is a boat is coming, so they have to open, and then when the boat was gone, close, open and close. Yeah, it, it is now funny to think about this job. My husband used to do it when he was really young, just in the summer to to earn some money, and yeah, it doesn't exist anymore because now it's uh, yeah the the, the uh, all electric electronical system with sensor, and it's much more safe because yeah, uh, sometimes there was somebody who was sleeping. So uh, they couldn't make him uh, awake. So all the funny mm -hmm. things are not happening anymore. Like this uh, uh, person that was going around uh, switching on uh, the light on the street. It, it is funny, but it, at that time, and even right now, in, in a couple of years, we will think, oh, how crazy is this? That and now that they are scanning my face and they know what I bought and things like that. But... Um, as I told you, don't, don't don't stop innovation. Let it go. And uh, the children of my children, uh, of the children of them, uh, will uh, will choose for another little job to 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 make some money. No, I'm sure. And uh, we spend their uh, uh, their time in uh, maybe other clever things, or maybe not. But uh, uh, sometimes we have to go to look back to think. Oh yeah. We thought it was crazy, but it's not. It's uh, it's better. It's safer. It's cleaner. Yeah, some things yeah. need to change. And it's funny what you said about the bridges because we we live quite near a bridge. Um, it's it's a it's a uh, uh, movable. Operated. Yeah, it's movable. Yeah. Um, and it's it's quite close to our home. And we moved here about two years ago. Um, and we noticed that there was no one um, watching the bridge. Um, and we heard that the entire neighborhood, we have like three bridges right here, are all automatic. Um, but then one day we heard someone's voice through a speaker. And it turns out that that was someone watching the bridge and someone was crossing the red light. And now they have this central office where they watch, I think, like 10 bridges per person. Um, and they can still communicate with the people on the bridge, like the cyclists and, and the, the people yeah. walking the bridge. Uh, but it's now done from like a central place. And um, the same thing, and, and I think that's the, the, the downside on the human part, which is short term, is where I used to work um, at, at the docks uh, in Rotterdam. Um, mm -hmm. I used to work for a big, big shipper carrier. And what they did was they had these, these people working in those uh, cranes, you know, those, those sky high cranes that move the containers from the ship to the, to the dock and back. 
Um, and they used to love their job because they used to go up and down the ladder um, and they used to sit in this little cabin looking over the entire city. So they had the best view possible, especially those that were from Rotterdam, loved Rotterdam. Um, they said, I can see the entire city. I can even see The Hague from here. Um, yeah. And then at one point they said, well, we've got this new innovation where it's much safer because we're going to work from ground level because they had this office where they had all these cameras and some artificial intelligence and these joysticks and they can move the crane 20 kilometers from the office. But they were now supposed to sit at the office and move the cranes from a distance. Um, and they said, well, it's it's safe. It's warm. Um, I can grab some coffee without going down yeah. the entire ladder and going back up, um, which is convenient. But the, the fact that make, made them love their jobs was the fact that they were sitting up high in that crane watching over the entire city. So they said, yeah. the hard part of my job is now super easy, but the nicest part of my job is now gone. So my job is now super efficient, but it's not fun anymore. Um, and I, I think that's that's something that sometimes we have to go through, how, how painful it can be. Um, but I think it's inevitable because in the end, um, it's going to be much safer for, for people. And in 20 years, no one's going to remember how that job used to be. The same yeah. like the, the streetlight, uh, the, the lamplighter. Um, I cannot imagine, I, I can imagine I would be upset if I were fired from that job because now electricity is taking over. But I don't yeah. have the ambition to become one because it's not a thing anymore. So yeah, we're going to forget about it in the end. You know, there are many, the people that are working at Rijkswaterstra, they are really passionate so they they know all the things about these movable bridges and uh, of course it is painful of course um, but in the end the change will come sooner or later and I also talk with uh, many of these people and I say oh I'm I'm actually I'm happy I'm happy about this change because it's uh, I can uh, use my time uh, doing other things which are uh, which are better and. Uh, I can uh, study uh, things and uh, yeah. So we we see that the brains is uh, the development of the brains and uh, and the development of the of the society is uh, at the end we are all thankful to these changes. But there is a you know like when you have a storm and after the storm the water becomes uh, really clear and nice. So. We will come to the clear water period, let's say. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think we're just going to need more human skills, right? We're going to focus a lot more on being human, I think. I think it is, it is really important. In the end, human will be always needed. And I mean, I, I cannot believe that everything will be um, uh, managed by robots and things like that. In the end, you have still the human brains uh, that are that created these robots that uh, will be needed um, it is nice what you say focus on on the on the human skills and uh, uh, like uh, to 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 avoid bias uh, discrimination you you also gave a nice presentation about artificial intelligence uh, to select a curriculum vitae you have uh, some nice candidates and uh, to avoid that you search of a, cop a copy of yourself, eh, which is uh, what people, most of the people unconsciously <laughs> uh, do. 
um, yeah, then, then you have this uh, artificial intelligence that help you to select, okay, this is the, uh, the, the things that you want. You want somebody that, for instance, has this um, study uh, diploma, and you want somebody that has at least uh, three years of experience. You want somebody that, uh, I don't know, has a technical uh, uh, passion for technical things and things like that. So artificial intelligence do not look at your uh, where where did you, where did you raise to uh, grow up uh, are are your parents uh, highly highly educated or not or things like that or do they come from the Netherlands or from another country because this is uh, this is uh, what happened in in the Netherlands as you know for um, at the tax tax belasting dienst really sad but um, we can um, improve and avoid those things we we learn from mistakes and we can uh, make sure that these mistakes do not happen again but in the end in the end it will be me when i when i have two or three uh, candidates selected by a, a yeah, artificial intelligence it will be a human that will decide, okay, becomes candidate one, two, or three. And I hope that uh, that will be done based on uh, on the right decision because he's, he or she is the good one. No BS. Yeah, and you also need that, that cultural fit, right? Because you are the one who knows the organization. Um, and you could also sense if someone is going to fit the, the, the profile, not specifically based on skills, because no. AI can can make some decisions. I I feel strongly about AI making decisions based on human lives, um, yeah. and that's indeed like you said. I'm I'm working on something that um, AI should support humans in making a decision, but the human should make the final decision. Um, exactly. Yeah. yeah, and I think yeah. that that goes for for a lot of things in technology. Um, but in in this case, I feel that you as a human being, you have worked with people, you know the organization. In this case, you know Rijkswaterstaat very well. Um, if I were to apply and, and two other people with um, maybe the same type of background, um, we all, all three of us could go through based on the skills that we have and um, the experience that we have and the number of years that we've worked somewhere. Um, but that doesn't mean that we would be a personal good fit. Because you might say that my personality or my traits do not match the culture of the organization, even though the skills uh, match the hard skills but the soft skills could be a mismatch and i think that you as a human being with your empathy uh, you could sense if if something would be a match exactly i used to be an accountant and we were um controlling like uh, all the all, all the financials are okay and uh, does he uh, yeah, reconciliate with that and things like that which we we called heart controls mm -hmm. yeah. um, but I I really uh, yeah and we we didn't look at the uh, soft controls but in the end soft controls are really extremely important are actually the first things that you have to to look at because you can have uh, the, the great perfect persons on paper but then when uh, when you meet uh, her or him uh, and you think oh no it doesn't really with uh, with our with our team and uh, um, yeah it, it, it can be hard at the end it's a human decision he or she it's a it's the right one that is going to 
to make our project uh, successful and, uh, and great and nice and also funny because humor is also important. Exactly. And that's something that, that we can sense, right? A, a machine yeah. cannot sense humor. Um, no. and, but I think also um, hard skills can be taught. Um, of course, you need some, some base level, but um, if, if I were to apply for a job at your organization, uh, I don't know what type of systems you use. Um, I don't know how you talk to suppliers. Those are skills that I can learn. Um, and I can learn to use your systems. I can learn to maybe even understand how our roads work, how the data works. Um, but I cannot learn how to be a different person because I am me. Um, so yeah, you could select someone based on you don't have the specific hard skills right now. Um, but I think as a person, you would fit the organization because you have ideas, you're funny, you're, you're intelligent, etc. Um, and that's where I think humans should always be the, the end of the line if it comes to decision making. Um, and that's something like you said before, our tax administration, um, and they admitted this, this, but they made the mistake of having artificial intelligence make the entire decision from A to Z. Um, without fully understanding how the algorithm works. And that's where you stumble upon yeah. problems. Um, and that's the danger. So I think there should always be a human, at least for now, until until artificial intelligence surpasses us in intelligence. But I, I, I doubt it's going to happen. Uh, but until it doesn't, we, we have to be the ones at the end of the line. We should check the, the decisions yeah. it made. Um, and I don't think we should have automation replace us in the sense of our intelligence. Um, I, I, I support technology that's doing heavy lifting, calculating um, things that we need to go on 24-7, right? Like uh, uh, constructing a car. No one needs to be up at night constructing a car. We can have a robot arm do that entire thing. It's not a human task. Uh, but I yeah. think making decisions and sensing if someone is a good fit or talking to someone or building a relationship, I think... That Leave it to the human. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's a human thing, right? Exactly. Exactly. I I completely agree with you. Yeah, yeah. There are, I think you said we are at the end of the line. I think we are at the beginning of the line and at the, the end. Mm -hmm. We are the one who, who create robots, who create this uh, uh, great data-driven e economy and things like that. But uh, we also the one that at the end decide yes or no or um, yeah. That there are things that are human has to be left to the human being. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And that's, yeah. a, that's a good bridge to, to my next question, because we're, we're talking about humans often. Uh, like I said, if we if we say innovation, we think uh, artificial intelligence, we think machines. Yeah. Um, but if we say humans, what, what do we mean? What does it mean to you to be a human being? Ooh, um, I, yeah, for me, as I'm a networker, is <laughs> connecting with people, connecting with people. Because uh, human is like uh, is being with other persons and uh, and connecting and uh, learning from each other and talk to each other. Um, uh, I think it's, a, it's like a privilege to be human. We have brains. Not everybody uses them, but it's another story, <laughs> another podcast. <laughs> but uh, yeah, we can. I mean, there is so much to learn in this world, and uh, there is so much to to do and to improve. And even if somebody is uh, like an expert in one thing, there are so many other uh, disciplines and uh, other interesting uh, learning fields 
So, uh, and it's like being human, it's like uh, you, you are born with little brains and they will grow until uh, the last day of your life. So I'm, I'm happy. I'm trying to <laughs> to keep my brains in uh, in shape, um, uh, yeah. But it's uh, it's a good, it's uh, a privilege, yeah. Let's say like that. I agree, and I think what you said is if you were born with with a small brain, um, but you are in charge of how you grow the brain, right? You can feed it, and I think yeah. that's very interesting. Yeah. And especially like you said, if you if you like traveling and you like reading and connecting to people. Um, then like they say, the world is your oyster, right? You can, you can fill your <laughs> entire brain with experiences, with people, right? That, that's what you do as well, right? Yeah, and uh, you are responsible for your own life. Um, of course, there are some people that are not so lucky, like uh, yeah, you, you can, uh, I, I was born in, in Italy, I mean, in Europe. Um, I still, uh, the, the the world is going on right now in uh, in Ukraine. So this uh, there are some uh, some little uh, guys and uh, of even in other parts of the world where where you cannot be yourself and uh, and otherwise you you can die and uh, or you you don't have the the chance to study because just because you are a girl or things like that, which is crazy. Uh, this uh, this is uh, this is terrible, but. Um, you are responsible for the growth of your own brains and make the best of it. Um, and of course, uh, the, there, there's no problem if uh, there are some failures uh, during the, the process of, uh, of um, being more intellectual or being busy with, uh, with, with uh, taking care about yourself. And it's not just uh, reading and study but also respect yourself and try to, to be healthy. Uh, it starts from the most stupid little things. Like yesterday, I was so angry. There was a car in front of me and they opened the window and they threw the McDonald's uh, plastic things on the ground. And then the, the, uh, I, was, uh, I was thinking now, what am I going to do? And uh, yeah, it, it is so so unbelievable nasty i took these uh, plastic things when all the cars were going and i put it in a in the bin but uh, this is a, just a little action that everybody can can do but still you are responsible for your own actions and uh, try to make the best of it yeah, and enjoy yeah. it enjoy it enjoy it because uh, i mean if you don't enjoy it or you don't do it True. It's the circle of influence, right? You can only influence what you do and how you handle different situations. You cannot influence someone else's behavior. Um, but I, I do see that, like you said, those kind of behaviors, throwing plastic out of your car window. Um, yeah, that, that speaks. It says a lot about those people and not about the people who actually try and fix things. Yeah, there, there, are, there are these little things. And I'm also working with a group which is called the Troop Troopers. And we go sometimes around uh, cleaning the streets. And um, I, I think you, if you are a parent or if you are a teacher, you also have this responsibility to talk to these children and uh, saying it's awkward if you throw all the stuff uh, around, if you drink your Red Bull and you throw it uh, to throw it in uh, into nature it is uh, it is terrible and uh, 
uh, even with the municipality of Eindhoven, I went to a school and we were talking about these uh, rubbish uh, things. And uh, yeah, you have this uh, clever enzyme uh, idea that uh, you can throw all together and then uh, you will discover, oh, this is metal and they will uh, throw all uh, the, the rubbish apart, which is great, but you still have to give them the right um, information and say, don't throw anything, don't throw the plastic, because otherwise uh, uh, the, this word will be terrible. In uh, our blood, in human blood, there is, there is plastic. There's yeah, the plastic, so, so terrible. Scary. Yeah, it is, it is. So respect the nature like, uh, like you want uh, everybody to respect yourself. Yeah, that's what my dad always told me. If we were out on the streets and I had uh, like a wrapper from a chewing gum or a candy, um, he said, it's, it's, your, it, it's your problem. You should keep it your problem. If there's no trash can near, you keep it with you until there's either one near or you get home. Uh, but you're yeah. not going to make it someone else's problem that you have this wrapper right now. So you, you stick it in your pocket or you keep it in your hand. Whatever you do, uh, you find either a trash can or you take it home. That's how I was brought up. And I think that's it should be normal, right? I, yeah. I, I, we all live here. We want a clean home, right? Why don't we want a clean city, a clean street? Exactly. Yeah. And this, uh, it was really funny with these uh, young um, students because uh, we were asking, uh, like, uh, do you know, if you throw your chewing gum uh, on the street, how long does it take before the chewing gum is completely gone in, in, uh, in this world? I didn't know the answer, if I'm honest, but uh, it was the chewing gum will be there forever because in the chewing gum there are some big, some parts of plastic and they remain forever. Yeah. And I mean, they were like a, a me too, uh, like, uh, oh, really? And uh, next time I want to throw the chewing gum away. And uh, yeah, it starts with little changes. It does, yeah. yeah. With positive, with information. If you get good information and you know why you should do something or you shouldn't, then... Uh, then you can still make the wrong choice, but uh, conscious with conscience. Exactly. That's that's the thing. Yeah. The with awareness. It is. Yeah. And I think that's a specific human trait, being aware of your environment, of yourself, yeah. of your actions and taking responsibility. Exactly. Yeah. I think exactly. we, we could we could chat about this for, for hours. Um, <laughs> I think we, we're kind of getting to, uh, to the close of the past, uh, of this podcast. Um, I've got one more question for you. If you could leave us with a final thought, what would that be? And final, um, wow, this is a nice question. Uh, final thought, um, go ahead, no constraint, and make the best of it. I like that. That's a good one. Just go for it. All right. Yeah, well, Miriam, thank you it. so much for being here today with me. I really enjoyed our conversation. Me too. I can't believe one hour is gone. Really, yeah, so it's, quickly. It's so it's like the last uh, time we had a, a meeting, yeah. I think the hour flew by. Um, that's what you have when you have fun. Um, so again, Do you know, my my husband says always, uh, uh, "You are like a jukebox, uh, which is broken. You put fifty uh, cent, and it talks for two hours." <laughs> <laughs> no funny. Just kidding. <laughs> well, it was it was awesome enjoying your your jukebox uh, and and listening to your stories. <laughs> Uh, thank you so much for being here and to you out there listening. Thank you. Stay tuned and stay human.